This is Escape from the Burnout Society. I am your host, Gabriela Guzman, and in this episode, I will share with you the best tips I got from my own research and from all the guests I interviewed in 2020. I decided to give you the best advice to start this year taking steps in the best direction to avoid chronic stress and burnout. I will mention some books and articles that you might find interesting. The links will be available in my website www.escapeburnoutsociety.com under my posts. If you want the transcription of this episode, join my newsletter and you will receive it on the 10th of this month. Well, let's get started with the first five best advices of 2020. Advice number one, overrate your sleep. Because one of the most important tools your body needs to break the circle of chronic stress and bring homostasis or balance back into your system is through good quality sleep. Moreover, sleep deprivation and poor sleep is linked with deterioration of the short-term memory and longer-term cognitive decline including the development of dementia and Alzheimer's dementia. But what is good quality sleep? Well, the key determinants of quality sleep include sleeping at least 85% of the total time you spend in bed, falling asleep in 30 minutes or less, and waking up no more than once per night and being awake for 20 minutes or less after initially falling asleep. This means that if you, wake up, if you wake up, try to keep it as shortly as possible. A good way to keep an eye to your sleep part pattern is to get the sleep tracker. I prefer those that monitor your heart rate as well because this, is, this also gives you more information about your overall health. More on heart rate and heart rate variability will follow this coming year. There are many factors that can affect your sleep quality, like children that wake you up, noise, light, using your cell phone or your computer before going to bed. The mood you are in before sleeping can also affect your sleep, like when you are stressed out, tired and agitated after a tough day. The amount of adrenaline in your body will, will affect detrimentally the quality of your sleep. Remember that chronic stress becomes chronic because we fail to break its vicious circle and we need to be resilient in this world. And to build resilience, we need to give us the opportunity to recharge fully at night. So, make this your number one priority this year. And for those who have small children that keep you awake at night, learn how to do power naps during the seven to eight hours before going to bed. A power nap should not be longer than 20 to 25 minutes, so you will not wake up feeling groggy and will help you keep your energy until your child sleeps through the whole night. Ask someone to keep an eye on the baby for 20 minutes or even better, nap when the baby naps. 
Forget about the housekeeping. Remember, your health is a priority. I have gathered some links for you that you will find in my website www.escapeburnoutsociety.com um, These links are, uh, for example, to the Sleep Foundation or the documentary that's called Mysteries of Sleep and the TED Talk Sleep is Your Superpower by Matt Walker who explains in a very masterful way how sleep is terribly underrated in our modern society. Advice number two, avoid alcohol before sleeping and diminish drinking coffee, but the best is actually to stop at all with both. The more stressed you are, the least coffee and alcohol you must drink. Let's talk first about alcohol. If you are someone who will take a drink or two to knock you down when you want to relax and sleep, don't do it. Drinking alcohol will calm you and make you feel a little bit relaxed, but it will also shorten the amount of time you spend in deep sleep and the next morning you will feel everything brought fresh. Just to give you an idea, I will mention a study carried out by Julia Paitila, uh, who's a Finnish researcher, which was published in the journal JMIR Mental Health. She found that even as little as one drink uh, that is able to impair your sleep quality. Moderate alcohol consumption lowered restorative sleep quality by 24% and high alcohol intake by as much as 39.2%. So almost 40% of the quality of your restorative sleep will be affected by some alcoholic drinks in the evening. When you have a burnout or are very close to have one, what you need is to sleep well and do not interfere with, important, with this important recovery moment. I remind you that all the links will be available in my website. As you can see, if you want to have a sound sleep, you should avoid alcohol as much as possible. Now let's talk about coffee and caffeinated drinks. Although there are persons who are more sensitive to, uh, to caffeine than others, what is true is that coffee is a, is a stimulant that elevates the level of cortisol in the blood. Studies in humans have shown that caffeine increases cortisol at rest and that levels of cortisol after caffeine consumption are similar to those experienced during an acute stress situation. Drinking coffee, in other words, recreates stress conditions for the body and that is the last thing you want to do when you have a burnout. Moreover, the chronic elevations of cortisol secretion have implications for long-term health because it alters the immune system response and its long-term elevation is associated with depression. So really very bad news because I am very fond of coffee. But I have more bad news about caffeine. Um, chronic consumption of caffeine increases insulin resistance, a situation in which the body 
cannot effecti effectively deliver glucose into the cells of the body. In this situation, insulin, which helps transport glucose into the cells, cannot do its job well because the body's cells are, are already less receptive. So, if you combine the standard Western diet, high in refined carbohydrates, with stress and a high caffeine intake, then you have a potential recipe for metabolic disaster. And one detrimental effect of this is obesity. So you might need this stimulant to start your day, like I do, but your body cortisol levels are naturally high early in the morning. This is our natural way of waking up, so it is a bad sign if you can't feel alert without a cup of coffee in the morning. The more you need coffee, the more you should avoid it, until you are fitter and have a good restoring sleep at night and diminish your stress levels. You might say that you are tolerant for caffeine, and some heavy drinkers do develop a partial tolerance, but this doesn't include all the facts of caffeine. I found a peer-reviewed article by W.R. Lovallo and others published in 2005. This article, uh, this research, showed that daily caffeine intake causes a partial but not complete tolerance to caffeine's effects on cortical secretion. It comes all down to the amount of extra stress your body has to deal when the quality of your sleep is bad, you drink, you drink alcoholic drinks to relax, and you have long stressful days. This is a shortcut to burnout. So that is also something to consider if you are feeling very bad at this moment. Uh, start this year very fresh and diminish the consumption of alcohol and coffee. And if you can, stop for a while. Advice number three, learn a breathing technique to help you recover and to relax. Any technique will help you because breathing is not only essential for getting the oxygen we need to survive, but it is also a basic need our nervous system has been programmed to demand. And therefore, receiving every breath calms us naturally. I want to share this thought that Dr. Daniel G. Siegel wrote about breathing in his book, Aware, the Science and Practice of Presence, and I'm quoting, there is a certain coherence that breath awareness creates, which is likely due to the repeating pattern of the inhalation and the exhalation, the in-breath and the out-breath, as anticipating something and then something arriving is deeply satisfying and ground. It can give a life sense of being predictable and reliable. How wonderful and simple, don't you think? Breath is a need that gets immediately satisfied and by being aware of this, we relax. I think this is a clear explanation of the simplicity of breathing and explains why any kind of exercise that makes us aware of our breathing will help us to relax and lower our cortisol levels. 
So give you a break daily to breathe. I interviewed Monica Beon, who is an, a younger yoga teacher for us already so many years. And it was, by the way, episode 15. And she said, if you master your breath, you can master your mind. Who doesn't want this? So just start today. If you want to try some quite simple techniques, try this. Breath in for four counts, hold the breath for seven counts, and exhale for eight counts. Ready? Well, let's try. So breathe in, one, two, three, four. Hold, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's do it one more time. Breathe in. One, two, three, four. Hold. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And repeat. So you can repeat this exercise until you feel relaxation. It was easy, isn't it? It doesn't have to be complicated at all. Just invest some time in finding a technique that works for you. And this is really essential to defeat burnout. Check my website for the post with some links where you can find simple breathing exercises like the one we just did together. Advice number four. Engage in a physical activity every day. As someone who has been physically very active her entire life, I can tell you that I had to learn the hard way how to reach balance between physical activity and rest. In my most active years, I would train five to six times a week. I would run, bike, swim and go to the gym. I got overtrained once and learned to per periodize my effort. Eventually I became a running instructor and since then I help people to train wisely. Now I am very happy I spent so much time building a strong body, but when my professional career got too demanding and I became a mom, I had to dramatically decrease the amount of time I spent sporting. I went from five days of sport to hardly only one or two. And I can tell you, this is not enough to even maintain our muscles after our fourth decade. I have talked with many men and women about this radical change in our lifestyles when we pass our third decade. We are torn apart in pieces by the burnout society and we find little time to take care of ourselves. Work and children become a priority that usually sends out our health to the last priority we care about. So I will explain how the vicious circle works and how to get out of it. It starts with a lack of regular physical activity and by this I don't mean cleaning the house or repairing your car. I mean a cardiovascular effort longer than 25 minutes a day or taking 
10,000 steps a day. Even 5,000 is already okay. If this is not in your system when you are in your second decade, you will find it even more difficult to do it when you hit your 40s. But by that time, many people have children and a demanding career. Women are hitting the menopause and men levels of testosterone begin to decrease notoriously. Here's where you get caught up in a vicious circle because your energy levels drop dramatically. Your stress levels go up and you don't prioritize to get enough time for physical activity and enough rest. To get active, you need stimulants like caffeinated drinks and to relax, you also need alcohol or pills. Exercise is not only a way to preserve our muscle body mass that drops after our 40s, it is an essential part of being healthy. You have been caught in the downward spiral of being dependent on pills and drugs and the amount of pills will only increase with age. I recommend you to read an article that appeared in Scientific American in 2019 uh, by Herman Pontzer. It's called Humans Evolved to Exercise. Unlike our ape cousins, humans require high levels of physical activity to be healthy. The link to this summary of this article is available in my website under my post. The region article is to be found in Scientific American magazine, but of course you have to pay for it. So I'll give you the link of the summary. I will quote from this article. Although we've long known exercise is good for us, it appears that it's good for every organ system, even down to the cellular level. Our brains have evolved to reward prolonged physical activity with endocannabinoids, which is where the so-called runner's highs come from. Many have argued that exercise helped enable the massive expansion of the human brain to the point where we require physical activity for normal brain development. Exercise releases molecules that promote neurogenesis and brain growth, as well as improve memory and stave of cognitive decline in old age. So if you are not putting your shoes on right now um, to take a walk, then I really advise you to do it after you listen to my podcast, right? Daily exercise might help you to maintain your weight depending on your diet, of course, but the most important aspect of exercise is to promote the well-being of our brain, to activate our muscles and activate circulation. So break the circle, stop using stimulants, start walking if you can do any other kind of exercise because you are tired and burned out. With time, you will be able to do more and more and get those 25 minutes of or the daily exercise that is comparable to 10,000 steps. Get you a good rest at night and your body will do the rest. Advice number five, meditate. I can't stop considering meditation one of my top five advices for people to prevent burnout. I think that meditation brings so many benefits that everybody should give it a try. 
I have interviewed Karen Newell and Dr. Evan Alexander in episode 14, where we talked about meditation with binaural sounds. These sounds are specially designed to help you tune out from distracting factors and tune in to your inner world. Karen also talked about guided meditations as the best way to start. Dr. Alexander explained briefly how meditation has helped him to regain access to the altered state he experienced when he suffered a devastating infection that led him to an almost deadly coma for a week. This event changed his vision about consciousness and science forever. If you are interested, please listen to episode 14 and check the description of my in this of this podcast in my website www.escapeburnoutsociety.com. There you will find the links for Karen's and Evan's websites. But for people who are looking for more practical information about meditation, I have gathered this for you. And it is based on my personal experience. You can consider meditation as a training for your brain, but you shouldn't expect to achieve immediately something because like in any kind of training, you will need some time to feel the results. Moreover, your expectation will distract you from being present which is one of the most important aspects of meditation. If you think that the goal of meditation is to stop thinking, I can tell you this is not going to be the case. Cessation of thoughts is something you can leave for the Buddha, okay? You are not failing in any way if you can't stop thinking. Just agree with me that the unstoppable chatter in your mind can be very annoying especially when it's full of disturbing and unsetting thoughts. Guided meditations will help you lead your thoughts in a mental journey to a desired state of mind, while mindfulness will make you more aware of the present moment. There are many kinds of meditation techniques, from counting with every breath, from zero to hundred and back, to paying attention to each part of your body. There is for sure a technique for you. Just remember that there can't be goals set like you could do when you go to the gym. Practicing is the goal and by doing it, you will change your brain. When you meditate, it's very normal to have thoughts. But the idea is to start observing your thoughts happen and to disengage from them because those thoughts bring emotions and those emotions trigger all kinds of chemical reactions in your body. When, for example, you have uh, anxious thoughts of things that did not go well or things that should not happen in the future, then you spend all this time producing cortisol. As you might already know, cortisol is a hormone produced when our body experiences stress and that is a very useful hormone in small amounts, but very detrimental to our health if we are continuously releasing it. But why do you release cortisol even if you are not anymore having a discussion with someone? Well, this is because your mind can't tell the difference between the real moment and the thought you constantly recreate in your mind about that moment that happened. 
or that you think it will happen. So meditating helps you firstly to learn to detach yourself from these thoughts and emotions for a while. The later, when you feel a bit more comfortable with meditation, you can try to create positive thoughts in your mind and adapt your emotions to them, upgrading in this way the chemistry in your body. Because your mind will believe these thoughts are happening and if you visualize peacefulness, your body will lower the cortisol levels according to the degree of peacefulness you are creating in your mind. This holds for all pleasant and positive feelings you can have. As far as you visualize positive things and feel constructive emotions, your brain will get the signal that the threat is gone and that, is, that it's time to relax and recover. As easy as that. Of course, there are many kinds of meditation and we could say that each kind will take you to a slightly different place in yourself. You don't have to go anywhere you don't want to, but I broadly advise you to spend quality time with yourself because many answers you are looking for are in your unconscious mind. There are within your reach, but you have to ignore all the chatter of your busy mind and access your unconscious mind. That is part of your mind that you can't easily access because you can't remember most of the things that you have stored there. According to Freud, founder of the psychoanalysis, the unconscious mind is the primary source of human behavior. Our feelings, motives and decisions are powerfully influenced by our past experiences and stored in the unconscious. So many things of our childhood are stored there and they influence our daily behavior for good but also for bad. It is possible to reprogram yourself through meditation but you will first need to observe your thoughts and quiet your mind a bit. A practice of only 15 minutes a day changes the brain structure and gives you benefits as improved concentration and an enhanced short-term memory. I will quote from a literature research by Hari Sharma that has a lot of citations to many other scientific researches on meditation. So check this out in my website if you are interested. I quote, Research has confirmed a myriad of health benefits associated with the practice of meditation. These include stress reduction, decreased anxiety, decreased depression, reduction in pain, both physical and psychological, improved memory, and increased efficiency at work. Wow. Well, that's not in the article, of course. Physiological benefits include reduced blood pressure, reduced heart rate, reduced levels of lactate and cortisol. And the list goes on with many other chemical substances that are detrimental to our health. This article also says, meditation increases the, blo the blood flow in the brain, what improves the attention and concentration ability. With aging, the brain cortical thickness, that is the gray matter, which contains our neurons, decreases, whereas meditation 
experience is associated with an increase in gray matter in the brain, therefore having an anti-aging effect on the brain. A study investigating the effect of meditation of the aging process in the body showed that long-term meditators have a significantly younger biological age compared to short-term meditators and controls. So, as you can see, meditation is more than a hype. I dare to say that it will become one of the healthiest practices that we will be adopting in the years to come. It is not only healthy, but it also helps us break free from pain and painful emotions. It makes us more human and it is for free. And that is very good news, of course. Well, remember to go to my website www.escapeburnoutsociety.com and I will be releasing next week again five very important tips for 2021 to avoid and prevent burnout. Mm -hmm.